One of the good things about going through a book, a sermon series like this, is that it has forced us to tackle subjects that we might not normally talk about. Michael, you in here? Tell me how this service goes. Okay, compared to the second, first one. Over, okay, Michael. First service was really hard. First service was really hard. You know, I, I'm very kind of open with stuff. It was really hard because I talked about a topic, frankly, that for a lot of people, it was really hard to talk about. I got some people to pray for me downstairs before I came up. You know, they pray. It's a spiritual warfare and you pray, blah, blah, blah. You need to listen to the Lord. Because uh, I talked about healing today. I talked about healing. Supernatural, miraculous healing. So you all know where I'm going with this. Just to let you know, okay? So... And one person said it this way. She's like, well, you normally offend some people and then encourage others. This morning, you offended everybody. Okay? So um, it was really hard. It was really, really hard. And so, uh, so where was I going with this? Oh, yes, yes. So, so as we go through this sermon series, one thing it's forcing us to do is it's forcing us to come to grips with and biblically talk about topics that we might not normally talk about. And last week was an example of this because we talked about suffering We talked about suffering and the inevitability of suffering in the life of a Christian. And I shared a little bit about this, but I don't have time to go into it because I need to, I need to, I need to wrestle with you on, uh, on this topic of healing. You cannot read the Bible. You cannot read the New Testament. You cannot read the book of Acts without coming to grips with the fact that people were supernaturally, miraculously healed of their illnesses, of their sicknesses. And you and I have a choice and a decision to make. We could either say, I am going to let my experiences dictate how I interpret this. Or I'm going to let this interpret my experiences. Do you see the difference? Yeah? Okay? So the challenge is huge this morning because somehow, somehow, I need to talk to people that are in both camps. There are two camps of people who sort of, in an unhealthy way, approach this topic of healing via not scripture, but via experiences. Okay, let me talk about this and then, and then we'll jump into this. I'm kind of changing the order from the way I talked about it this morning. Here's what I mean by that. Here's how some of us have, ex- have interpreted uh, the, the, the whole aspect of healing via our experiences and not healing. It's a mistake that we make. And let me just call you the camp of sort of the super spiritual, overly spiritual, in an unbiblical way regards to healing. And here's how you approach healing. You say things like this. You say things like, it is not God's will that you be sick. And if you are sick, it's because you lack faith. And if you just had enough faith, you wouldn't be sick or you'd be healed. Furthermore, some people would say all God's blessings for us include total and complete healing now today. So you just need to name it and claim it, brother, sister. Just be honest here. How many of y'all have been kind of sort of affected by that mindset, that church that, uh, in a negative way or positive? Hands. Oh, see? Okay. Now, so I'm going to speak to some of y'all here. But the majority of our church, guess where you're at? You interpret the Bible through your experiences this way. You say things like, God doesn't heal today. God doesn't miraculously heal today. He doesn't answer prayers for healing today. That all stuff in it all. Come on, who really believes that? And if I were to ask you, why do you believe that? Why do you think that? Here's what you would not say. You would not say, you know what? I read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and I had the thorough biblical study on the topic of healing and I came to the irrefutable conclusion biblically that God just doesn't work that way today. No, you know what you would say? You would say, I don't believe that God heals today. Why? Because uh, I've never seen it. Because I've never uh, personally experienced it. Because I've, and this is hard, because I've prayed for healing, Peter, and uh, no answer yet. 
Do you see what I mean? So here's what you're doing. You're making the same mistake as person over here. You are interpreting the Bible through your experience saying God doesn't do that. God can't do that today because I've never seen, I've never experienced it. What I am calling for today is this, please, sanity. I'm asking you to say, are you willing to say, I'm going to let that interpret, it my, interpret my experiences. So here's the thing, you guys, for the next two weeks, and I hope you come back. I hope the first service comes back, too, because they left out here like sort of, mm. We are going to ask the question, does God heal today? Let's see what the Bible has to say. We are going to ask the question, why does God heal today? And we're going to ask that question biblically. We are furthermore going to ask, if we pursue and seek healing, how do you go about, I mean, there's so much confusion about that, how that happens. We're going to talk about like how that happens, okay? How do we go about doing that? Because again, there's so much confusion out there, so much mis, you know what I mean? I mean, as soon as I talk about that, many of you flash to a scene on a television scene somewhere with some guy in care, you know, over here, and he's got his jacket, and he's waving his jacket on people. People have been slain in the spirit and claiming healing, and you're going, oh my gosh. Um... Are you going to let that dictate the reason why you don't believe that God heals today? Really? Because here we go, and then we're going to ask further questions. By the way, these questions are not going to be totally answered today, okay? Here's a question. Why does God not heal? Why do we pray and God not heal? This morning I talked to three people have prayed for years for healing and haven't experienced healing yet. Why does God not heal? What does the Bible have to say about that, right? What does the Bible have to say about that? <sighs> These are hard questions, aren't they? See, here's the thing. This is why this is relevant. Does anybody think this is like irrelevant for you? Let me give you an example. Like, have you ever been sick? Do you know someone who's sick? <laughs> It's a relevant topic for you. If you're willing to go on this journey for the next two weeks with me, somehow sit there, even if it's a little uncomfortable with the way you think and feel about this topic, whether you're a camp over here, camp over here, how you hang in there with me. Okay, now let me just go ahead and share a little bit about my personal experience, why this is important, and then, uh, and then we'll get into scripture. Um, this is important. As I was wrestling with this today, this week, you guys, it was just really the Holy Spirit just kind of speaking to my heart. You need to know where your pastor stands on this. I came to a belief, conclusion, in my more formative years as a Christian, that all the healings and all the ways in which God worked in the New Testament are still valid for today. And I see heads nodding, and I see someone going, oh, no. <laughs> when it comes to healing... Here's the reason why a lot of people have this sort of like, you know, sort of like hesitant kind of, a number of reasons I'll get into, but one of the reasons is this. The way you think that God healed in the New Testament, the book of Acts, is not the way that God really healed. Here's what I mean by that. Some of you have a bias, an anti-supernatural bias, because you go, well, there isn't that kind of healing today. Like, people don't get healed decisively. People don't get healed anytime. They, you know, people don't get healed. You know, apostles in Jesus, I mean, they walked around. They said, healed in Jesus' name, da-da-da. And people just instantly, just like that, healed. And they could heal anybody they want to. And we have this notion that that's what was going on in the New Testament. Actually, when you look at the New Testament, do you know that Jesus walks to a pool 
Pool of Bethesda, Bethesda. It was a pool in which sick people gathered because, because legend had it that this pool was stirred by an angel of the Lord and the first person to get into the pool would be healed, right? So here's Jesus in John chapter 5. He, 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 he goes to this pool and he heals one man who had been a paralytic for eight years, right? Or bedridden for, 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 for his entire life, a serious illness, right? And, 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 and he doesn't heal anybody else. Not a single person after that. Why? Why? Did you know that Paul had friends who were sick and he couldn't heal? Epaphroditus in Philippians chapter 2. Timothy, his own spiritual son. He says, you know what? Take some medication for your stomach. Trophimus, another guy in Ephesians. Paul. This guy could heal anytime anyone to at will, we think. Sick friends, why? My point being, for those of us that go, what was happening in the New Testament? Yeah, this is why I don't believe that, because the same things aren't happening today. Well, I would argue that God does the things that he was doing in the New Testament today. We need to know correctly what they are. Um, so your pastor came to conviction that God does it. Furthermore, let me tell you what I also believe. I also believe, and I'll talk a little bit about this next week, I also believe that there are people with what I call spiritual gift of healing. I also believe that there are men and women in our church who have the spiritual gift of healing where they could lay their hands on people and pray for people and God could use them to bring healing to people. Okay? No, they're not faith healers. I'll talk about faith healers a little bit later. But I believe that men and women are given this gift. Furthermore, furthermore, I believe that those men and women in our church need to be equipped, so on and so forth, to be able to use that gift in the larger church body. Now, so you're sitting there going, well, I'm becoming a new community for you. Let me ask you a question, Peter. So how come we don't do that regularly? How come, like, you know, after Sundays, we don't have regular times where people come up and that are sick that get time free? You know, we do that periodically. But how come we don't do that regularly? How come we don't make it a regular part of our church Ministry. Maybe it's happening in some small groups, which is great. But how come we don't do that regularly? Well, I wrestle with that question, right? Because there have been seasons in which our church was very much obedient to and open to the Spirit of God. And what God. By the way, for those of you that are wondering, if you're here first time going, oh my gosh, this is one of those churches. <laughs> you need to know. You need to know. Uh, let me ask you a question. Are we a church that's solidly committed to God's Word? Okay. We don't allow experiences to dictate. We go to God. So, for, so why, why is it happening? It, well, as I was in prayer, two questions that God came asked Holy Spirit, and it was just one of these things. First question was, what's why it's not happening? Holy Spirit comes and says, Peter, why, so why, why, why not do it? Why, why, why isn't there more opportunities given? Do you not have faith that I can do it? Do you not have faith that God, I can heal today? To which my honest answer, yeah, God, I think I lack faith. Immediately I need to know, you need to know, I should say, many of you are exactly where I am today. Let me go and show you a scripture passage here. This is, a, this is one of those passages that just kind of go, really, that happened? Mark chapter 6, verse 5, check this out. Jesus is back in his hometown, right? 
and he's doing miracles. This is what he says. He says he could not do any miracles there. This is Jesus. He could not, except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Now, if you are a Bible-believing Christian, you look at that and you go, I struggle with that, man. Jesus could not do something? Son of God, omnipotent Son of God, could not do something. And yet the Bible says there are some things that omnipotent Son of God cannot do. One, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, the Bible says that he cannot lie. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 14, he cannot have fellowship with darkness. And Mark, right along, says Jesus could not heal because of their unbelief. Matthew actually, I think, brings a little bit more clarity. In the same incident in Matthew chapter 13, he says, Jesus did not, not just could not, but he did not do any miracles there. And he was amazed at the lack of faith. In general, Jesus will not work powerfully, supernaturally in an atmosphere of unbelief. And so I had to come to grips with this question. Not only, Peter, do you wrestle with unbelief when it comes to my ability to work in this area, but I wonder if we have unintentionally established a culture in our church where many of you come and go, healing, whatever. Uh, I was sharing with some people afterwards, 9 o'clock service. It was like, sometimes when I'm preaching up here, it's like, it's like, it's like climbing. It's like, what am I trying to say? It's like... It's hard, okay? It's really, really hard, right? It's really like, it's, it's hard, it's arduous, it's just a task. And the whole time, I'm sitting on the and I, so I talked to four or five people after, so I just pulled random people. I said, what'd you think? One guy's like, I wept the whole time. Another, I just wept the whole time. I'm going, what? And one person said to me, he said, there will be people today, some ways, who will be resistant to what you have to say. That when you talk about God healing physically, emotionally, psychologically, God bringing healing, they're going to go, doesn't happen, whatever. And their encouragement to me was, speak truth and be bold. So that's what I'm going to do today. And part of speaking truth and boldness is admitting to you that your pastor lacks faith. And my prayer needs to be prayer of the father who brought his demon possessed unto Jesus. When he says, if you can, and Jesus says, if I can, everything is possible. And he says, I believe, help my unbelief. Does anybody else need to pray that prayer this morning? Help my unbelief, help my unbelief, help my unbelief. The second question the Holy Spirit came and asked as I was preparing this, this is like even more convicting, was this. Peter, do you want all that I have for you and your church? Or are you actually going to limit what I can do and will do? And the picture and image that I had, you guys, was a vision that I saw before I planted this church seven and a half years ago, where as we were praying about God, what will you do through this church? What ways, powerful ways will you use this church to affect the city and the world? And there's a picture of unbelief, me standing with the styrofoam cup and saying, God, can you fill this? And then the next vision being standing at the shores of Lake Michigan, looking out and God, and God saying, Peter, why not ask me to fill this? Many of you and I struggle with our expectations of God being like this. And that includes this aspect of, does God heal today? What if, maybe, what if, 
what if, what all God has for us includes God's ability to come and bring healing to you physically, psychologically, emotionally? What if? I don't know about you, but I want all that God has for me. Amen? I don't want to limit God by my biases or by my objections or by my lack of faith. I want all that God has for us. What is it that God has for us? I believe what God has for us is that he desires our church. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. This is not, we have come to critical points throughout the book of Acts in in, in the life of our church. Here's what I mean by that. These next two sermons, today and next week, is not just, oh, that was a really interesting thing about healing. Well, I never thought about that. That was pretty good, you know? He brought some objectivity to it. So let me tell you why this is important. This is a foundational, perhaps, turning point in the life of our church. As we study the book of Acts, we have a question to ask as a church. Will we be a church that says, God, we want all that you have for us, and if that includes your ability to heal the sick, we want that. And so we as a church corporately would move forward or we'll make it a regular thing, regular habit, regular ministry to lay our hands and pray for the sick and see God move. Do you see what I'm saying? This is about a significant part of our ministry. Okay, so many of you that are feeling nervous about, oh my gosh, it sounds sort of like bad theology and going, well, you, you, you don't need to worry about that. Okay. Why do I believe that God heals today? Let's start here. Biblical foundation. You ready? Biblical foundation. Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection, ushered in the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ, through death and resurrection, ushered in the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God that God says, which ushered in through the resurrection of Jesus, that's going to bring ultimate healing and restoration to all of creation, including us. Let me put up scripture passages for you, okay? Isaiah chapter 3, verse 4. Speaking of the ministry of Jesus, he says, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. By his wounds we are healed. Isaiah, speaking of this coming Messiah, speaking of the one who is going to usher in the rule and reign of God, says that his work will be both physical and spiritual healing. This is what Jesus purchases for us in our salvation. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, the apostle Peter picks up on this passage, Isaiah 53, and says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. Okay? Now, here's the thing. There are some scholars and commentators, those people who don't believe that God heals today physically and God moves like that, they will interpret this passage simply by saying to you, what this passage is talking about is Jesus Christ bringing spiritual healing. See? He's fulfilling Isaiah 53, but what he's doing is bringing spiritual healing and forgiveness. There's nothing to do about physical healing. One more passage. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. Many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with ward and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities, and he carried our diseases. Here's what the Bible says conclusively. When Jesus Christ dies on the cross for our sins and he rises again in the atonement, the Bible says, Jesus earns for us, Jesus purchased for us, not only complete freedom from sin, complete freedom from the effects of sin, but Jesus Christ purchases for us in the atonement, complete freedom from healing, complete freedom from illness, complete freedom from sickness, complete freedom even from death. Now here's the critical question we need to ask. When do we receive the benefit Benefits of that total healing, total redemption, total, you know, total freedom from all sickness and sin. Is it today? Answer, church. Is it today? Answer, church. N- n- no. <laughs> this is why I need to teach on this. 
The Bible says that our total healing, total freedom, total redemption from sin, total redemption from all sickness, illness, is not going to be fully and completely ours until Jesus Christ returns. Why? The kingdom of God is here, and the kingdom of God is, say with me, church, near. See, we live in what the Bible calls the already and the not yet tension of the kingdom. Jesus Christ comes and he dies and he rises again. And in his resurrection, Jesus made it clear, the rule and reign of God that heals all things is coming into the world. The future is coming into the present. But Jesus Christ also said, it will not be fully finished until I return. So here's what that means. Correction of error. For many people who think today we could experience total healing from all sickness, and if God doesn't answer my prayers for healing, well then, screw God. If, if I just have enough faith, I can experience all healing. You need to name it and claim it, da, da, da. These people are forgetting the not yet aspect of the kingdom and putting things, putting words in God's mouth, the end there. However, check this out. For many of you, your mistake is not Forgetting the Nadia, your mistake is forgetting the already aspect of the kingdom. Oh, and that's just as lethal. When you forget the already aspect of the kingdom and you forget that we can today experience a foretaste, a glimpse of the future, a glimpse of the salvation, a glimpse of the redemption, a glimpse of what God will powerfully do in fullness when he returns again. He says that by his resurrection, Christ has earned that for us and we today can experience that today. A foretaste of it, a glimpse of it, but today. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 2, the, the, the disciple John heard in prison what Jesus Christ was doing. This John the Baptist. He sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you see and hear. In other words, his disciples are coming and saying, this whole kingdom of God, Messiah, are you the one? Can we, are you the one that has come to us in the rule and reign of God? Are you the one? Show us. And Jesus Christ says, go back and tell him this is how you know that it's happened. Verse 5, the blind receive sight the lame walk, those who are leprosy are healed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. If you're anybody that believes in the kingdom of God, in fact, that God's rule and reign has come because he has risen again, how can you possibly not believe that what God has done to bring a foretaste of the kingdom in terms of healing and restoration can be experienced today? You see what I mean? Now, here's the thing. We've already seen this on the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, remember? First fruit, day of Pentecost, God pours out the Holy Spirit. God pours out the Holy Spirit. And the pouring out the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2, was essentially God saying, this is the first fruits of the time, of the time that will come when I will, my, my glory will be established over all of creation and the presence of God, the Spirit of God will be filling all of creation. This is when the kingdom of God will be fully consummated. But in order for you to know that that work is already begun even though it's not yet I'm going to pour out my spirit Acts chapter 2 Pentecost so the significance of that today is and I've shared that with you guys today and David Pastor David prayed for this today things like in, in heaven we will see God face to face we will know him perfectly we will know him perfectly intimately but the Bible says because heaven has come in heaven has invaded the present because heaven through the resurrection of Jesus Christ has come and a foretaste of it you and I don't have to wait until the return of Jesus Christ to know God we can know him now we can know him now we can have fellowship with him not perfectly but we can have fellowship with him know him powerfully but the Bible also says in Revelation 
that the foretaste of heaven coming to earth means that there will be a day when there will be no more crying, no more pain, no more disease, no more sickness, and no more death. God will wipe away all our tears. And the powerful news of the gospel of the kingdom, you guys, is this, is that we don't have to wait and sit around for that day to happen, but that in faith we can go to God and say, God, we believe that the kingdom has come and the rule and reign of God has come. We believe that along with the rule and reign, the kingdom of God, your desire to renew and restore, not just creation, but our bodies and our souls and our spirits has come. And that we could experience that today. Do you see the tension? So let me ask you something. Where are you today? Be honest. Where are you today? Have you made the error of claiming too much of the, not yet, you know? In other words, you believe, you believe, you're discouraged because you have prayed for healing and God hasn't answered. And somehow your theology says, if God doesn't answer my prayer right away, if God doesn't answer this completely and fully, well then I, I can't believe in this God. God doesn't work. Is that where you're at? You're struggling with the fact that the kingdom is not yet. Or, my, my, my guess, many of us, or are you wrestling with the fact that you have completely forgotten about, ignorant of, and even unbelief in the already aspect of it? And th- that's the reason why you don't pray for healing. That's the reason why you don't seek out folks who need healing. And they have, here's the thing. Can you say, would you agree? We will never ask God for anything that we believe he will not do. We will never ask God for things that we don't believe that he will and can do. It just doesn't work that way. So when we don't pray for the sick, when we don't pray for healing, when we don't pray in Jesus' name that God would work powerfully and miraculously, I'm asking you a question. Are you somebody who says, you know what, theoretically, conceptually, you know, God could heal. I believe maybe some grace God does heal. But it's just an intellectual proposition. I don't really believe, Peter, in the person of the Heavenly Father to bring about healing today. Where are you today? Are you living in this tension? Where are you today? What I want to talk about today, rest of today, and what I want to talk about next week, you guys, is one of the most critical, critical sermons, I believe. I was talking to a gentleman, young man in our church. Some of you guys know him. Um, he has struggled, 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 struggled with an illness for years. And he actually said there was a moment when he really thought genuinely that God healed him, only to find out periods later that he wasn't truly healed and when he found out he wasn't truly healed he said I went through years of just spiritual desolation just going God mm-mm. it's only been recently that he's come back recently that he's dealt with what happened there and what I talked to another uh, another woman recently who who has prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and hasn't seen God bring healing this woman, and I need to share these with you guys, has responded the other way, opposite way. In other words, it has emboldened her faith. It has emboldened her faith. Say, I don't doubt God will move, but the fact that he has answered my prayers in the timetable that I want to, that's not going to discourage me. I'm going to continue to pray. And then there's everybody in between. How do we approach this topic? What do we do? We let God's word dictate so let's look at this Acts passage. And what I want to do today is I want to lay some general principles, okay? And next week, today is going to seem like an abrupt end. You're going to go, ah, that's it? That's it? You're not going to ask those questions? You're not going to answer those questions? You just threw them out there and go, that's it? You got to come back next week? Yeah, you got to come back next week. Okay. Acts chapter 9, verse 32. Acts chapter 9, verse 32. 
general principles today. We'll answer the hard question next week. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the saints in Lydda, which was about 33 miles from Jerusalem. There he found a man named Aeneas, a paralytic who had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. I'm going to ask you lots of questions today. Let me ask you a question. Who heals you? Say it again. Who heals you? A man heals you? Peter heals you? Jesus Christ heals you. When somebody experiences healing, who healed that person? Jesus Christ. When somebody gets healed, it's because God healed them. Peter is just, he's just an instrument. It's not, if, if Peter is not plugged into the source, there's no power flowing through him. He is just a conduit. There is no such thing as faith healers. Can I get an Amen. There's no such thing as faith healers. No such thing exists. There's only one healer. It's with a capital H. Thank you very much. There's no such thing as faith healers. And let me tell you why this is so important. Many of you that are in this camp that are just like, Peter, please, I can't wait till this sermon is over. Or many that are rolling your eyes and going, why is this relevant to me? Let me tell you the damage that faith healers has done to you and the church and the possibly the reason why you're sitting where you are today. Number one, faith healers who've taken claim for healing or indirectly sort of in the center of attention has done tremendous damage. Let me just list a few. They've done tremendous damage to people. What do I mean? When you tell somebody that they're sick and the reason why they're sick and don't get healed is because they lack faith, that's stupid. It's stupid. It's unbiblical and it's stupid. I can't tell you the number of people that I've met in our church who've just been broken and devastated because somebody had the audacity to say to that person, you're not healed in your sick because you lack faith. I want to punch that person in the mouth. <laughs> Do you know how devastating that is to a sick person or somebody who's not getting healed? That's the reason why they're not healed or they're sick is because they lack faith. I'm going, where do you see that in the Bible? And do you know what the harm that is done? Here's, check this out. The harm that's done is this way. When you tell somebody they like faith, essentially you're erroneously communicating that it's faith in faith that heals you. Not faith in the faithful one. See? Do you get the difference? So when you say you lack faith, what you're saying is you lack faith. And definition of faith to these people is something more like a psychological certainty. You know, I believe he can. I know he can. If I just muster myself up to believe that he can, if I have enough faith, where do you see that in the Bible? It's not faith in faith that heals somebody. It's faith in Christ. This is the reason why many of you are skeptical of this because you're going, healing, whatever. Because you've seen the damage that it's done. Secondly, faith healers have done tremendous damage to people who avoid medical treatment. Oh my gosh. And you're going, Peter, people really do that? Yes, I meet them. I meet people who've avoided medical treatment. How many times have you seen on television a parent who did not take their child to go see a doctor because their faith said that Jesus Christ would heal and we don't need medicine? That's stupid. Okay, that's the last time I'm going to say that, okay? Because I don't want to offend anybody. To say to somebody to avoid medical treatment because, and I'm going to talk about this next week. Did you know that in James chapter 5, when it says, anoint the person with oil 
and heal the sick. Do you know there's two, I didn't say it this morning, there's two aspects in which anointing with oil is found in, new, in, the, in the Bible. One is oil through consecration, right? Consecrate. And a lot of people believe James chapter 5 is that oil and pray for the sick, consecration. It's not. That oil technically in Greek is oil used medicinally. In other words, James is going, if somebody is sick, seek medical treatment first, all right? Along with that, come pray and heal biblically. Third, faith heals them tremendous damage. <laughs> when they tell people that they're healed at an emotional service, and then two weeks later they realize that they haven't been healed. And you know the scary thing, though, is they don't go home and go, that person let me down. They go home and go, what? God let me down. Let me tell you something. God didn't let you down. Some whack job who promised you more than what God promised you let you down. How dare we promise people more than what God promises? You know, the thing is, when you look through the book of Acts and see how God healed people, it was oftentimes in small groups, and I will see this, it was oftentimes one-on-one. It's just Peter and, and, and Tabitha, right? One-on-one. There wasn't noise. There wasn't crowd, bells and whistles. There wasn't emotional healing service. It was just simply faith, trust that God would do it. Let me just one last thing, and then I'm going to move on from this, okay? If you are somebody, and I see this in Christian circles, who go to these healing services, healing emotional things, and these conferences, and you're sort of a junkie to these things, let me ask you a serious question. Are you genuinely seeking God, or are you genuinely seeking an experience? There's a huge difference. Huge difference. Faith healers, two more. They do damage to our witness to Christ. They do damage and a witness to Christ. What do I mean? I was in Orlando two weeks ago watching television. There's like six religious channels. And seriously, I saw one of those things, you know. And I don't know why these faith healers, they've got really big hair. But they all have big hair, apparently, right? Really big hair. This guy's taking off, this guy's taking off his jacket. He's waving. People are being slain in the spirit. I have one guy who has a handkerchief, right? Because we see in the book of Acts that actually people were healed by Paul's handkerchief, right? His handkerchief. And he's selling this handkerchief over television and saying, if you believe in faith and you rub it to wherever it is that you need healing, that Jesus Christ... And here's the scary thing. Here's the scary thing. I'm sitting there going, people really believe that stuff? I'm going, why do you think they're on television? But here's the tough thing about that for me. Is your non-Christian friends watch that stuff or hear about this stuff and catch a glimpse of it, right? And you know what they go? They go, you're a Christian. They're a Christian. You must be alike. And I want to go, no, 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 no. I don't have big hair. I don't wave my coat at church. I don't do that stuff. I don't do that stuff. I believe Christ heals today, but I don't do that stuff. But for a lot of people, it totally ruins our witness for Christ. Why? Because they mistake faith healers for how you act, how you behave. And it's just a major barrier hindrance to just talk about the gospel with somebody without them thinking immediately, aren't you like him? Aren't you like her? Lastly, they also do tremendous damage to the body of Christ. My heart breaks right now, aches right now for those of you who just say, you know what, I don't care what you say. I don't care what Bible says. I have, and you wouldn't say this way, but this is what's true of you. I have, a superna- I have an anti-supernatural bias, Peter, and I don't care what you say. I don't believe God heals today. I don't believe he could ever heal today, psychologically, spiritually, emotionally. And so I don't care what happens. And I'm going to go, where did you get the supernatural bias, anti-supernatural bias from? And unfortunately for some of you, your answer 
them, the, the, the whack jobs in television, the, the fake. Who heals you? Who heals you? Jesus Christ. Not some man, not some woman, not some conference. Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, let's keep going. Verse 34. So get up and take your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up, and all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Just one real quick comment before we go on. One of the things that I want to leave with you today is this, is this powerful thing that's happening throughout the book of Acts, and that is whenever people proclaimed the gospel via word, in other words, they talked about Jesus Christ, they talked about his work, they talked about who he was, but it was always coupled with, always parallel with, deeds. Always coupled with deeds. In other words, they didn't just talk about Jesus. They demonstrated the power and the truth of the gospel by doing something. Now, check this out. For many of us, we're going, well, you know, in this case, the deeds along with the word was supernatural miracles. And I don't believe, I, I don't believe that. I don't know if I can be used by God to do that. I don't, that's not the point. The point is this. The general point is this. The point is that the reason why the gospel got hearing, the reason why people's hearts were open to the gospel, the reason why the gospel exploded in that country, in that, in that culture and society was Christians not only proclaimed the gospel, about God's ability to heal the broken, but they looked around and said, where are areas of brokenness in my school, in my culture, in my society, in my neighborhood? Where are areas of brokenness? Where are people broken? Not just physically, but where are areas of brokenness? Socially, social injustice, where are areas of brokenness? And God's people then missionally rise up and go, my task is not just talk about the fact that God is alive and heals, but where can I be an agent of healing? That's when people will hear you and me. It's when we don't just talk about it, but we actually go, you know what? I might not have the ability to supernaturally heal folks and God used me to heal people, but what I do have is time. What I do have is money. What I do have is resources. What I do have is knowledge. What I do have is relational. And I have all these things that I can offer. So let me ask you something. Are you looking around, you guys, your sphere of influence, and are you seeing experience are you seeing people are broken are you seeing brokenness are you seeing sickness are you seeing areas in which maybe not with the supernatural gift of healing but areas in which you can administer healing in jesus name and what are you doing about it are you doing anything about it are you doing anything about bringing healing and restoration to broken areas in your life and other people's life are you doing anything about it that's the point and if God uses you to bring miraculous healing to someone's life, praise God for that. But if God doesn't, it's not to discourage, but it's to go, okay, but what are areas of brokenness that I can be used by God to bring about healing? Okay, verse 36. In Joppa, today is Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv. So is Tel Aviv. That's where Joppa was. There was a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated is Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. You guys, everybody look up here. This is so important. Who is Tabitha? Tabitha is a godly woman. Tabitha is godly in character. She's a woman of character. Tabitha is godly in conduct. People are weeping and mourning her loss. Tabitha is somebody who through character and through conduct is making tremendous impact for the kingdom of God. Let me ask you a question. Do people who love Jesus get sick? Answer. Do people who love Jesus and serve God faithfully get sick? Do people who love Jesus and pour out their, pour out their lives in missional service, taking care of others before they care of themselves, do these people get ill and not get healed? 
ask it another way. When somebody doesn't get healed, when somebody doesn't get healed from being prayed over, is that because they're in disobedience? When somebody who is sick doesn't get healed because people pray for them weeks and months, sometimes even years, is that because they're not pleasing to God? Is it because they're not about his mission? Is it because, and the list goes on and on. So I ask you, where do you see in scripture that when somebody gets sick and somebody doesn't get healed and God forbid somebody dies, do you automatically think the reason why is they lack faith, the reason why is because they're not pleasing to God, the reason why is because they're in disobedience, the reason why is because they're not living their lives for Christ. Tell that to Tabitha. Here's a woman who's godly in conduct and character. She loves Jesus. All practical appearances, she would shame most of us in terms of like her life. And yet, she gets sick and she dies. And other people never get sick and are healthy. Why do I bring this up? Where do we get this notion, you guys, of simple correlation? Here's, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Some people will go, well, when people are sick, it's because they have sin in their lives. True or false? Both. Both. We're going to see next week. James chapter 5, some illness, some illness, some sicknesses is a result of sin. And let me say this. When that sin is repented and confessed of, when the sin is dealt with, oftentimes I believe that God heals. But check this out. Is there a simple correlation that everybody who's sick is because they're in sin? Answer, no. See, I'm really trying to speak to those of you that are just like anti-spiritual bias. And you're just like, I don't want to. You need to know that this is what the Bible says. Let me give you an example. This was, this was the apostles or the disciples in John chapter 9. This was a mistake that they made. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Don't you ever, ever, ever even think, saying is not holding for they ever, ever think that when you pray for somebody, automatically assume the reason why they're sick and not getting well is because they have issues in their lives that they need to repent of. Disciples are thinking, well, he's blind because certainly somebody did something wrong. Jesus goes, nobody did anything wrong. Why does he, why was he born blind? Verse 3, neither this man nor this parent sin, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God, say it with me, might be displayed in his life. To which I know many of you go, oh, that is hard, Peter. So you're going to have to come back next week and hear that. Yes. Two other things before I go on here. <laughs> when somebody is sick, is it because God's punishing them? <laughs> I don't know if there's anything that gets me more angry than when somebody says, when somebody is sick, it's because God is punishing them. If you are a Christian, a child of God, Jesus Christ took all your punishment. When Jesus Christ dies on the cross, he took all your punishment, all my punishment for our sins that we've committed before, sins we're committing now, and all of the sins we'll commit in the future. Jesus Christ, one sin for all, says, when he's dying on the cross, it is finished. So for anybody who says, I'm being punished because of some things, Jesus Christ on the cross says, I took your punishment, child of God. And he's also ended the question, do you care? Do you care? Do you love me? Is the 
get a much stronger affirmation of whether God cares for you in your sickness, whether God loves you in your sickness, and the fact that he was willing to suffer and die for you and for me. I know, I'm just raising a lot of questions. Y'all sitting there going, so when are you going to tell us what's going to happen? Well, verse 37. About that time she became sick and died. By the way, here's the reason why that's in there. And there's a lot of descriptions in the book of Acts about people's sickness. You know, they were, they were crippled for this many years. They had this kind of backache. Luke is a doctor, remember? The author. I love the fact that he writes this in here because there's some people who could go, well, she wasn't really dead. You know, she was really, really tired. Luke's going, no, she was dead. And her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Now, guys, and again, these are all just basic things that we're going to lay foundation and we'll come back next week. The Bible is clear. The Bible is clear that there's a sense in which faith is required for healing. Faith is required for healing. But here's the thing. The kind of faith that's required for healing is a number of, number of ways in the Bible. In other words, sometimes the faith required for healing, as you point out, Mark chapter 5, the person who wanted to be healed or needed to be healed, that person needed to display faith. But again, it's not psychological certainty. We have to work yourself up into some Holy Ghost frenzy. You know, I believe. Sometimes, sometimes it was the person that needed faith. Other times, check this out. It wasn't the person, it wasn't the person who's sick and their faith that healed. Sometimes it was the, actually the faith of other people who brought that person. Do you remember that crazy story in the Gospels where four friends bring a paralyzed friend on a mat and they couldn't get through in the room? So they, they, they puncture a hole, right, up on the roof and they lower their friend down, right? They lower their friend down and Jesus Christ amazingly looks up and he says, wow, when he saw their faith, he what? He said, you're healed. Jesus Christ actually healed somebody because of the faith of those who were interceding. This is amazing. And other times, it was actually the faith of the person administering prayer for healing. And it was their faith. It was their faith that brought healing to that person. Very critical. It's one thing to say. It's one thing to say that healing requires faith. But another thing to say, faith requires healing. One thing to say, healing requires faith. We need to have faith that God would heal, which is biblical. What happens when you start going, but healing or faith requires healing? What are we saying? Talk to me. What are we saying? We're saying literally, when I have faith, God, you are obligated to heal. Do you see the subtle difference? But that's what a lot of folks believe today. Healing requires faith. Biblical healing does require faith. We need to believe and trust God. And by the way, this faith is not something we conjure up and manufacture. We can't have faith to heal or bring healing any more than we can have faith for salvation. Do you know that? Faith is a gift from God from A to Z. But to say that, 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 that faith requires healing is to say more than what God says in the Bible. Because the Bible says there are men and women who had tremendous faith. But God is not obligated to heal because we have faith. Someone in his sovereign will. We could believe and trust and have all kinds of faith. But God says it will not result in healing. 
When we say to somebody, if you have enough faith, God will heal you, we're literally saying, if you have enough faith, it requires healing, which is saying more than what God says. And when you begin to think that faith requires healing, somebody said it back there, you're not about God's agenda anymore. You're about whose agenda? Our agenda. I want to get reminded of the story of Daniel. Do you remember the story of Daniel? The three men who were going to be thrown into the fire, blazing fire furnace, right? And, and that King Nebuchadnezzar comes and says, if you will not bow down to my idol, you will be thrown into the fire where, there's uncertain, where there will be certain death. And what did the young man say? It is the prayer that Jesus prayed. It is the prayer that we all need to pray when we come face to face with healing. What do the young men say as they're facing certain death? They say, God is able to deliver us. I don't have faith. I don't have doubt in his ability. God will deliver us. I have no doubt that God wants to do this. But if not, but if not, so to a sick person who says, God, of course I believe that you can do this. And God, of course I believe that you want to do this. But if not, When you say, if not, you're not saying, I lack faith. When you say, if not, you're not saying, God, I'm weak in what I believe. When you say, if not, you are following the way of your Savior who said, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. What you're essentially, this is hard. You ready? This is hard. You ready? You know what you're you're doing when you say, God, I believe you can heal. I believe you will heal, but if not, you know what you're saying? You're saying, God, whether I get healed from this or not, I don't obey and serve you because you do what I ask. I obey and serve you because you're God. (sighs) That's hard. Is that hard? I'm going to finish this story and then I'll make last remarks and then we're done. Verse 39. Peter went with them and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. I love that. I love that. No, no crowd, please. No need to show off. No need for, you know, and just unnecessary noise. And then he got down on his knees. I love that. Here's a guy. Here's a guy whose shadow is healing people, okay? Here's a guy who's walking. His, his, his shadow is healing people. And yet, what does he do? He says, God, none of this is possible without you. I'm getting on my knees. Utter dependence. Turning toward the woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. You know what I also love about this? And this is very instructional. It's not about the words that you pray. Is it? It's funny to me because people will come up and go, Peter, I really want to pray for my sick friends, but I don't know how. And I'm going, what do you mean you don't know how? Like, you know, I don't know how to like pray. Is there a secret? I'm like, there's no secret formula. Like, you guys say the right words, you know, something plus something equals answer prayer. Like, why? No, no. What do you do? But here's the thing that we believe that. We believe erroneously that healing, I, I've been guilty of this, you know? Like, I'll pray and all of a sudden something will rise up and go, pray louder. Because if you pray louder, maybe God will hear. 
So I started shouting. The person's going, I'm not deaf. That's not why I'm, you know, why are you? And then other times I go this, I go, I go, I go say the right words. I go say the right words. So I, I'm really careful, you know. So I say things like this. I go, I go, God, I know that you desire to heal and you can heal. Is that how the Bible passage in Nailing went? You will heal. Wait, no, 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 no. Let me start that again. I believe you can. And God is going, what? Just get somebody. Wait, where are you sick? Where are you sick? And the person says, oh, I still, I'm sick. I've had stomach ailments. Then you simply go up to them and go, God, I believe you're a healer. I believe that you healed today. And I pray for their stomach in Jesus' name. Amen. That's prayer for faith. That's what Peter does. Why do we make it so hard in all this gymnastic stuff? Two things and then I'm done. You ready? Two things and I'm done. Questions, and then we'll come back next week. We all come back next week. We all come back next week. Say amen. Amen. Okay. Because you need to come back because you don't know today, like, why does God heal? Why doesn't God heal? All that stuff. Okay. So let me ask two questions. Let me ask two questions. Number one, are you limiting God? Are you limiting God today in terms of what he is able to do? Why is it that during this financial time, I have people who go, I have faith, Pastor Peter, that God will provide finances. Oh, yes, I do. Oh, I've been struggling financially, but I have faith that our God is a God of provision, so on and so forth. And then I go, um, How often do you pray for sick people? Never. Rarely. So let me get this straight. You believe that God is able to answer your prayers in terms of finances, but he can't heal people. Does it make any sense to you? Why is it that there's certain areas in our lives we believe God for, and when it comes to healing, we go, mm, not that. Second question. More statement. It's a big difference between believing God and being open. <laughs> I don't think it's some of y'all. Well, you know, Peter, I don't maybe fully believe, but I'm open. <laughs> you know, to the fact that maybe God can I'm I'm open. To which if I were to ask you, you know, would you go to your would you go to your stockbroker, give him all of your money and say, and that person says, You know, I'm open. <laughs> to making sure that I utilize your finances well and make an investment for you. We go, that's good enough. Be open for me. Okay. We would never do that in other areas. We would never be open. And yet, here we go. Here we go. When we come, we don't say, God, we believe you can, but many of us approach and go, God, I'm, I think I'm open to it. Okay. Let me, so we'll, we'll deal with that next week. Let me, let me just one last thing and then I'm, I'm done. I shared with you guys earlier why, why I, I haven't prayed as many people. I haven't. Confession time. You ready? You know why I don't do it as much? Because I don't like looking stupid when they walk away not healed. You know what I'm realizing about God? He doesn't care that I like stupid. (laughs) It is not number one on God's priority. Make sure Peter don't look stupid today. (laughs) I'm just saying. It's not high on his priority list. Oh, look at that. He's praying for him. Oh, I better sure. He's not look stupid. So I not on his priority list. Matter of fact, you know, it's kind of counter or like counterculture biblically because here's the thing. Jesus Christ was displayed before the world as foolishness. The apostles were displayed to the world as fools for Christ. See, God somehow actually takes pleasure in the fact that some people <laughs> will look foolish for Jesus. Amen? 
So here's the thing that God says, and I love this. You need to pay attention to this if you're just like me. See, I've confessed a lot today. I'm not, you know, you need to, you know what God, the Holy Spirit says? He says, Peter, check this out. Here's how you can deal with that, see? Will you promise that you won't take credit when somebody gets healed? Because then you don't have to take the blame when they don't. Because if from beginning to end you're about my glory and my ability to heal, why stress out if they don't get healed? Because it's not about you anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can do that. Okay, we got tons of questions we need to answer. We're going to do it next week. Here's how we're going to end the service. Before we ask the question of why then does God heal? Why doesn't God heal? How do we go about seeking healing in Jesus' name? I have to obedient today. Today, I actually want to pray for folks physically and emotionally, other areas that need prayer for healing. And next Sunday, we're going to have a communion service where we'll invite other leaders in our church to pray for you. I'm going to invite the worship team up here, and I'm going to pray for us, okay? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, um, God, in some ways for uh, a a number of us, we are actually venturing out into this really um, uncertain in many ways and scary uh, journey. I know that for some of us, we we actually don't want to pray and haven't prayed because we don't want to be disappointed. We don't want to not have our prayers answered. For some of us, we've been disappointed. We haven't had our prayers answered and we're just tired. For some of us, God, it is a major, major anti-supernatural bias that's in our hearts for a number of reasons and we just don't even want to consider it. And yet, somehow, your word tells us that uh, We need to interpret our experiences through your word, not the other way around. And this morning, Lord, I I, I guess my prayer is, God, will you help my unbelief? My prayer this morning is, will you help my unbelief? Will you help, actually, my my brothers and my sisters out there who who need to pray the same prayer, or the same, God, help my unbelief, who who have struggled with illness, who have struggled with sickness, who have struggled with with things in their lives, and... uh, they're tired of praying. They're tired of not having their prayers answered. They're tired of seeing nothing happen and uh, might be close to losing hope. So today, Lord, I pray that as we enter into this time of prayer for some of our brothers and sisters, that you would increase their faith and that you would have them know that they're loved he would have them know that they're precious in your eyes that you would have them know that even though this side of heaven we might not know why we don't get healed and we never got healed that one thing is sure and that is that on the cross on the cross you answered the question whether you care whether you love us or not once and for all
the cross. I, I'll be there in a moment in front of the cross. I'm not going to pray long for you. No need to pray long. I'm just going to ask you what I can pray for and then just pray for you. And we'll pray for every single person that wants to be prayed for during this time when the worship team will lead us in the last song. And if we're not done by the end, Pastor Michael will come up. Pastor Michael will give benediction and will dismiss you. So you can take your time. Okay. So um, for those of you that want prayer for healing, come to the front near the cross and uh, I want to pray for you.